He's 40 years old, too old to start again. Craig Toome didn't think so, and that's why today you're hearing the story of a man whose identity was lost and his passion for cars suppressed by a fear of making himself happy. Craig turned his life around to the point where Rush Magazine was one of the most read and shared online car mags in 2020. If you've ever thought it was too late to start something, let this episode prove you wrong. I mean, you must have, with Rush, one of the, you know, the first, if not, you know, one of the first self, self-published self magazines. My, my car was modified before I even passed my test. Before my times table, you know, I, I can still probably quote you the Nart 200 time now beneath it. I never really had the balls to pursue a career in it. I forgot who, who I was and, you know, good enough, this isn't good enough, you know, your dream, your dreams are this. I, just a moment where I was just scrolling on Facebook and I've just spent like the last hour on Facebook there and I've achieved absolutely nothing and I've lost touch with my values. I'm like, I'm starting a day now going like, what's my adventure going to be today? And the, the words just seem to come to me now. So I'm 40 years old. So I'm looking at this like, and go, you know, I've, I've created this, right, I'm making the decision, I'm printing one at least. Whatever happens will happen. It's all about cars for me and it always will be. I really need your help. The podcast has been stuck on a certain amount of reviews for quite a while now. And better reviews mean better podcasts. And better podcasts mean more listeners. And more listeners, well, mean better guests. So if you can do me a favour and review the podcast when you've finished listening, I would really appreciate it. It would give me better feedback and learn how to improve the podcast, making it better for you. Now, back to the episode. Craig, what ignited your passion for cars? My oldest memory is of my dad driving his car. Um, I can't think about any earlier point in my life, but basically I was a toddler on a family holiday trip and he had something called Cavalier SRI and I remember my dad just overtaking people car after car and my mum was always barking at him uh, telling him off so I knew straight away that it was naughty and mischievous and I just really wanted to go and I can still picture now the way he, he held the steering wheel and his arm on the on the window and things like that. So ever since that point, I was just obsessed with cars and going fast in cars. And when all my mates were playing with like Star, Star Wars figures, I was a kid with the Matchbox toys and I was like wearing the racing line into the fabric around the coffee table as I drifted it around. So, and from that point, it led to car magazines, learning all the stats and figures before my time's table, you know, I, I can still probably quote you the Nart 200 time now of an E36 M3 more than any of the chemistry A-levels that I did or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, it's a load of uh, information that's stuck there and never left me. And I just, it's all about cars for me and it always will be. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, did, I remember the same thing. My dad had this thing called, um, he called it F1 turns and he'd go into the corner and basically yank the steering wheel. And so you'd have this thing, like <laughs> this feeling of going like left to right in the car, and it was always that like, thing. It's like oh, actually no, cool because like this thing moves me, it moves me physically, it moves me emotionally. Like I actually get, I get, I get excited when when you know when the car is doing that. And that's weird. I think it's weird for some people because some people that would make them car sick. That would make them sort of go, oh, I don't, I'm not driving with him again. Like, like tell me why, but actually, it kind of it kind of spurred me on. And, um, and yeah, <laughs> I, I was exactly the same. I had I had little Hot Wheels toys, and when I was growing up, we had these little like. This, I had this carpet and this carpet was like a road 
and it was like a town layout and on this carpet i kind of drove the cars around and there'd be car meets you'd have like a little drift track made up of the roads and the houses and the school and you'd do like a little drag races and i think i i remember saying like um i think it was, wasn't fast and furious it was back to the future for the first time and i had a toy delorean and i did the whole like down the street thing and i went Pew! <laughs> so I know exactly. Exactly. I can, exactly the same uh, rug it was like a weird felt thing weren't it it was just awesome mm. <laughs> I can remember it now picturing all the houses on it <laughs> I bet you, you, exactly. but that's that cements something as like a young kid doesn't it in, in I guess in current car petrol heads you know it, it cements that sort of that passion and that, that you know being able to imagine yourself in, in the driver's seat as well kind of gives you that idea of um you know that that thing but what what point was it then like submitted the obsession what point did you know actually craig that at that point i I knew i wanted to do something with these things not i wasn't just obsessed with them i wasn't just being able to quote zero to hundred times it was um it's i mean i've always always loved cars but i never really had the um for lack of better words balls to pursue a career in it until recently and it was actually really locked down when it happened um i was i was going through a, a bit of a tough time i was in a bit of a dark place mentally uh went through a bit of a rough breakup and i was basically like living on my own with all this time on my hands and i wanted a distraction and i've always loved cars and i was like oh why don't i do something with cars and i thought the youtube market saturated um and maybe I'm just not, you can't do YouTube anyway because uh, it's lockdown. So I thought, I, lo- I love writing, you know, I've done a bit of writing in the past, um, like published in minor things like uh, restaurant reviews, cocktail, things like that. And I just, I've always loved cars and I thought, why have I never written about cars? And it just started for me. So I just started writing it as a therapeutic process. And I started sharing it with one or two friends and they were like, this is really good. and Next thing you know, I was like thinking, right, well, why don't I just create a car magazine and a digital one, publish it online. So during lockdown, it just absolutely spiraled and people started uh, queuing up, uh, you know, between between lockdowns to lend me the cars to do a review on them. And, you know, met, um, met a load of friends online via it, uh, some good, some amazing photographers who wanted to work with me and, we struck a deal, uh, Ben Midlane especially, massive shout out to him, great lad. And uh, we've just got this little thing going and now here we are like three, three and a bit years, maybe four years later now and we're in print. So it's, it's just uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself how it's gone from there to, to here right now and I can't, can't believe I've actually like got something physical and that looks amazing, smells amazing, and it's got my words in it, you know. So it's just an amazing journey. So, oh, it's it's so, interesting, yeah. like like going from, I guess, like going from that young Craig that, that didn't have the balls. Like, what was what was stopping you there? Was, was there was a fear of you know, pursuing the dream with cars? I mean, what what stopped you like from immediately going from school and going actually, I want to work with cars. I think it was probably. Um, just a lack of maturity to pursue it. You know, I was just in that stage in my life where I was like, your twenties, you just want to go out, don't you? You want to, you want to have a good time. You, you want to meet someone and stuff like that. So it was never really earning money became this thing just to get from one week to the other, you know, one night out to the next or the next adventure. And 
and I would earn money and I would buy a Clio 172 and I would tune it and spend all my spare money on insuring it and then I would probably blow it up and buy another one or, you know, just bounce from hot hatch to hot hatch or, you know, Porsche boxes. I didn't send thing with minis, like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to might might save that till later. A bit early to get into that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was just the twenties. I guess I just didn't take them seriously enough. I was I was just concentrating on having a good time, really. And and what I was actually doing then, I was working in restaurants and bars, so it was just like a great social life and and things like that. And then I eventually just ended up working in the family business, so which I still actually do now. So I run the magazine around my nine to five. So it's like a it's a passion project. It's a purpose for me. So um, basically, I'm getting up in the morning at six a.m., doing a couple of hours, driving to work, taking my laptop with me. Lunch hour comes, laptop goes open, doing another hour, uh, and then I'm at it most nights till eight, nine, ten p.m. You know, just just cracking on, and who knows, one day maybe we can make the transition. So, but uh, it won't be for lack of trying. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was the the Clio was the sort of the first car that you maybe sort of like bought and modified and had, had a go. It was the first thing that kind of like sparked. Oh it. no, no, no. I, my my car was modified before I even passed my test. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was fortunate enough to. Um, have a Vauxhall Nova 1.4 SR as my first car. That that sounds like a, like an absolute chat mobile, but back then it was still cool. So um, I, it had the free spoke alloys, it had flared arches, it had Recaro seats, it had a sunroof and a tape deck, and a massive monumental 74 horsepower. But to at 17. To all my friends, it felt like a rocket ship. Nobody could keep up with me, and I, I was like king of the road uh, until one night I got absolutely smoked by a uh, HGV without a trailer on it. But <laughs> that's a, that's again another story. <laughs> there was witnesses as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like to say that your well, first car is the fastest car you'll ever own. It's, it's, it's just, just like one of those things you the first time you get to experience. You know, for, for me especially, like yeah. Being able to teach yourself, teach yourself how to drive properly, like you get after your test, and all of a sudden there's no one like pointing where to go. There's no one telling you to brake here, accelerate here, slow down here, change gear here. Actually, you know that first sort of like first drive after as well, like you get to do what you want. Exactly. There's uh, there is hardly any better feeling of freedom in the world than that first week of passing your test and just going like, there's no one sat next to me, like. <laughs> What am I supposed to do here? Like, how how do I get onto a motorway? You know, like, there was no motorway <laughs> tuition back then. It was like this, joining the M6 motorway for the first time was like the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life up until that point. But yeah, it all, it all went well. So there was always trance playing, and uh, the music was turned up really loud. So, but then yeah, I got a little bit more serious, and the Clio RSs were my my first performance cars, and I loved them and kept tuning them, putting throttle bodies on them, putting cams in them and things like that. So, And then, I guess, uh, minis, BMWM cars, Porsche Boxsters, things like that, and it's just just keeps going. I go I go and buy a brand-new car because I get sick of all the bills, and then I go and buy an old car because I'm like, oh, it's not quite 
got the connection with the car. So it's just it's just a vicious circle of spending. <laughs> but all this all this time that you're like, I guess you're not you're not pursuing a career in cars. You're, you're pursuing you know your hobby. Like it's like a break and escape, I guess. Like is that what you kind of see yes. them as? Yes, yeah, it was definitely um, the trap days, going on road trips, so uh, the adventures up to like the NC500 and things like that. That was like uh, work was a means to an end to indulge in the passion, you know. So, and now it's just, I guess it's just like you realize at a certain point that life's too short and you've got this burning passion inside you, so you've just got to go for it and you've, you've, you've just got to like put your foot down and and just indulge in it. And I think there was just a moment where I was just scrolling on Facebook and I was just like, I've just spent like the last hour on Facebook there and I've achieved absolutely nothing. And I've just got more wound up and I feel worse than I did before. And I was like, well, this is how I want to spend my time. So I was just like, I want to, I want to look like achieve something. So it just set off this, this fire in me and this mission to take things to the next level. Thanks. I, I remember that, that fire. I, I did the same thing. You know, I kind of avoided working in cars. Like for instance, I left when I left school, there was a very little um, time in between sort of me like exploring the world and finding a full-time job. I think when I say little time, it was about four weeks um, <laughs> of school. And within, <laughs> within about four, four to six weeks, I had a full-time job working in hospitality. And I did the same thing yeah, as you. I guess yeah. I, I avoided the, the, the crew of cars. Like I had applied to um, apprenticeships at JLR, didn't get in because they cut the course too early. So I was kind of like, I was like a bit downtrodden. Then I remember finding a welding course. And on that welding course, I went and thought, oh, cool. If I teach myself how to weld, one day I can work for McLaren. And that was, that was like my big dream. It was like, if I could teach myself to weld, I can be one of those guys welding the titanium exhausts on the back of the, of the McLarens. But I think, that's all done by computers anyway yeah. and, and welding machines. So yeah. who knows? But it's weird, isn't it, how you put off that thing? Because I don't know if I don't know if it was like the reason you did it for you, Craig, but for me, it was, I guess, I didn't like working. And I thought if I worked with cars, I'd ruin, <laughs> I'd ruin cars for me. Yeah, yeah. I think there is that thing definitely, and especially with the magazine, it's the one thing I've realised is every time I've sort of tried to go down the road of monetizing it, making it a business and putting all my energy into that. It sucks the life and the passion out of it for me. And it, it no longer becomes that fun thing that, and that release of You know, the magazine energizes me despite me spending all this time on it. It's actually something that gives me energy. And the second, I mean, obviously I have to have grown up conversations about how much money it costs and where I want it to go and things like that. Because at the moment I'm, funding you know it's a lost leader so i'm funding it myself and until it can become more established however there's been times before where it was in the digital sphere and i was like oh should i start putting adverts on the website and i didn't want that because i wanted the brand to have a bit more value and every time i started thinking about pursuing these things you know i need to do this article because it'll bring in this audience and that's that stopped the fun because there was this pressure on it. Anytime I thought about going, I must publish this article or I must pursue this article because it'll get a certain crowd and it'll bring viewing these sort of you know expand viewing figures and all that. It it sucked the joy out of it, and so I realised that pursuing the monies and you know I've got to stop doing that. And what I really wanted to do is. Um, 
towards the end of last year, I just sat down with myself and I went, why did I start this? And I was like, print magazines are it for me and everyone keeps saying print's dying, but it's not. And I was like, print magazines for me, like specifically like Evo magazine was always the big one back in the day. Like I'm a huge, huge admirer of Evo and they inspire me. And I was just like, why am I doing this every day? Um, I was like, I want to get to print. I just want to get to print. I was just like, right, I'm making the decision. I'm printing one at least. We are going for it. And whatever happens on the other side will happen. And, you know, and I'll, I'll figure it out afterwards. So I just, I just, I just went, just went for it and, and remi- reminded myself why I'm doing it, you know, why I started it. What was the purpose? I'm thinking about, you know, the, the skill that it takes to write about cars obviously you know you're you're speaking from the heart so it's quite easy i guess for yourself yeah but i'm, I'm thinking of you know john john or mary listening to this and going I, i'd quite like to start writing about cars did you do any research about it have you been writing articles anyway like what was the kind of uh, no i mean i got a, the only qualifications i've got in terms of writing i've got a b for gcse in english language and lit you know that that is it it, it doesn't I'm, i might not be the best writer in the world i, I don't I don't know, it's hard to say. I just write something and it just seems to be striking a chord with people, like the whole tone of the magazines. It's not just me that writes in it. There's a, there's a bunch of us doing it uh, because I think it's good to have varied voices. But I just sit there and I just the, the words just seem to come to me and I, I really enjoy it. And it, it is probably more writing from the heart and storytelling and just writing something that I want to read and... You know, there's there's loads of other car people that goes out there, and and like I said, it seems to be striking a chord with them. So, but in in terms of in terms of, I guess if anybody wants to get into writing, it's it is just write about something that makes you happy. Write about a passion. It doesn't have to be cars. It, it could be horse riding. You know, it could be cocktail bars or or anything like that. You know, so just just. It's got to be something you're passionate about, and I think that's when you create your best stuff, surely. Yeah. No, it's great to hear that, you know, you can do it off your own back. I mean, you must have, with Rush, one of the, you know, the first, if not, you know, one of the first self, self-published magazines, like, from scratch. Like, I don't think that there are many other ones that have done that. I mean, I don't know how, I can't remember how Evo started or how Octane started, but obviously there was quite a bit of budget behind there and some teams, but you're the first person that's done this off their own back. Uh, well, possibly. I know there was one called Strada um, that was published by Nathan Chadwick and he had like amazing plans and it was a great magazine and sadly it just didn't work out because that was a similar time to COVID as well. But, um, you know, in terms of the self-publishing angle, maybe it's just because I've been that determined to absorb all the costs to get here, you know, <laughs> and, and I have a very, very patient wife. <laughs> You know, so we, we, we should we, we should have a mortgage, but instead we've got a magazine, so <laughs> you know. But, um... No. And that and that point you were talking about earlier, Craig, about, you know, you you're watching scroll through Facebook and realising that you, you know, you you're doing if you mind me, you're doing nothing with your life apart from working. Yeah. Like and you got up and you scrolled on Facebook. What what was the what was going through your head back then? What was Craig thinking that made you, you know, what was the final push? Well, I think it was a case of um it was weirdly going back to what I mentioned right at the start, but I was in a bit of a dark place and I sort of lost touch with myself and I was going, I'd was gone through a rough breakup. And I realised that what happened is I'd, 
I've lost touch with my values and my boundaries. And I sort of like rewrote down my values, you know, like what I stand for and things like that and what's most important to me. And I, and I just sort of looked at how I was spending my time and I was just realised that so much of my time was just wasted and and I just I just wanted to be more produ- productive and do something with it. And, and when I started writing, there was that little thing in the back of my mind going, oh, I'd love to do a print magazine one day. But it was never like, this is going to be a print magazine. It was just like a, it was a release for me. And, and it's just turned into this absolute purpose and obsession. And, and now here we are. And, and it's, it's just like, I'm starting a day now going like, what's my adventure going to be today? And like today's adventure is like speaking to yourself and challenging myself to, uh, to go on pod, podcasts and, you know, talk, try and communicate with people like how, like you say, how I've got here and what the story is and, and hopefully maybe inspire somebody else. And, you know, maybe there'll be another um, self-published magazine about cars. That'd be fantastic to see. Yeah. And if you don't mind talking about it, Craig, I know like mental health is a, a tough topic, but for like, for instance, like I, I was in a similar about two again, I, I came out of a, like, a rough breakup going into lockdown and it was one of the reasons this podcast started was that I had you know very little of myself left I found that I kind of like I'd I'd created this one person that was the relationship rather than having Harry and Harry in the relationship Mm. and so for me like I was going through like bouts of I guess you could call it depression you could call it anxiety you know not really not knowing what to do with my time not knowing how to communicate with people outside of the house I mean it was lockdown but you know like really trying to find myself again i mean can you just you know, if you're happy to explain yeah. how you've got from that point to, to now as well um like i said it, it was just that it sounds really simple but what essentially happened to me was um i had a partner who essentially every single day all i heard was you're not good enough this isn't good enough you know your dream your dreams are this i want this um you know, saying like, I didn't, I didn't look attractive anymore. All, all these things, and when you're in a relationship and you love someone, you don't see it. Everybody else is like screaming it at you, but like you don't see it because you, you're, um, you want to maintain something, and you, you think you've got something, and um, essentially, like it's, it's horrible when it happens to you um, when, when you do lose that relationship you know my, my partner she was unfaithful and um basically you go through all the things like you know we've got a house together you got to separate all that and i just started i needed to reconnect with myself because i'd been beaten up verbally for that long that i'd forgotten who, who i was and i'd lost like things that made me happy like you said it, my life revolved around doing these things and pleasing other people and not pleasing myself anymore. So like actually that rough break, that horrible breakup as rough as it was, was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I, I went on a bit of a journey where I reconnected with my, with my values, what I stood for a bit of a spiritual awakening. Um, and I, what I actually, one of the biggest things, things I learned of is that it's okay to be vulnerable. I think I think it's really important to be vulnerable because I actually think it takes ten times more confidence to be vulnerable to someone, especially how we we could be in this conversation now and other people could be listening to it. 
And a lot of people might actually shut down and go, I don't want to be honest there. So to actually like tell tell some truth and to tell that you're hurting takes a lot more strength and confidence, I feel, than to say, yeah, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm cracking on, I'm dealing with it. So, so I'm a massive supporter of like mental health, like Tacona and things like that is, is, is huge. So I actually think vulnerability is confidence. So yeah, be vulnerable, definitely. And be honest with yourself. No. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think what Lewis is doing is great. And like when I when I chat to him, I chat to him on the podcast, like just hearing his his story about what he went through and, and how he's got to where he's now. I mean, it's a, it's just a testament to really just you know to human resilience of anything. Yeah. Oh, definitely, it was a turning point. Hundred percent, no doubt about that. Because, uh, like I said, write, writing down what I stand for, and then also again uh, that led me to writing down my boundaries, and it just sort of just spiral from that one piece of paper, just getting back out there and just learning learning to appreciate myself and appreciate the things that I like. Um, it's like if I wanted to buy a car, I would always get like a, a thing going, oh, that's not going to impress X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I never buy cars to impress people. I buy cars for myself. And it, it was just getting getting back in touch with doing things that made me happy and not, you know, not pleasing other people doing things to make other people happy. And now I'm in an amazing relationship where I get this, I'm with my lovely wife, Alison, so a great shout out to her there. And um, she lifts me up and I wouldn't be here without her support and encouragement and belief in, in the project. You know, she's she's with me 100% of the way. So that's amazing to have. So it just, it's a weird thing. I don't know how to explain it, but there was just this one week of transcendence where I was having some health problems and I got the results where it worked. I spent a bit of money on the house decorating it. And all of a sudden it just felt like this wave of like, I'm, I'm back, I'm me again. And and then like two weeks later, I met Alison and the rest, as they say, is history. So, so yeah, it was just, a, I guess it was just reconnecting with that voice inside of my, my head. Um, I guess... I guess maybe that's a wrong term, just reconnecting with the child inside of me that wanted to do these things and, you know, the things that made me truly happy. And then it's just all just spiralling from there, you know. So so it's just finding that purpose. I think I think purpose is the right word. You know, I think, you know, regardless of what you have, like how we were talking about relationships is, relationships are amazing, but, it cannot be your life. It cannot consume your life. You've got to have a purpose that's your own, I think. So uh, writing a, yeah. writing about cars be, became mine. That's oh, great. And like, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Like The podcast came out of, again, like I said, that, that moment of going, right, who am I as a person? What do I want to do? And actually, you know, coming out of lockdown, going, right, I've, you know, I might, I might have not wanted to go into automotive previously, but actually now I kind of want to chase it. And, it was going right. What can I do? What's out there? Right? Do I go back to school? Do I start educating myself again? Do I look to get an engineering degree? But actually, now if I didn't have those two years in lockdown, deciding that I wanted to work for myself, I didn't want to work for anyone else. I was determined to do it my way, and not you know follow the route of you know the hundreds of thousands of people that were my age that wanted to go to university and had a horrible time having to spend two years of that four-year course at home or stuck in the university house not having that there. And actually it was my mum who said, you know, she was quite heavy on us and I went to university as a kid. And actually, you know, if it wasn't for that moment of going, right, all these things have come together, this podcast wouldn't exist. My drive and ambition, you know, 
to become an entrepreneur, to work for myself, to have that, wouldn't be here. And and Craig, I mean, why why did you why did you choose that the print media? Obviously, you had a love for it as a kid, but as yeah, we were mentioning earlier, like there is that just, sort of thing about it being dead. Sorry, there is. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's certainly um, dying out in the younger generation. But I think there's a few of us older car fans that are still out there that. I think there's it's experiencing a revival, especially in the area what I'm trying to break into, which is I guess it's more in the upmarket quarterly. So like Rush costs ten pounds plus postage, so it's not a cheap magazine. But when you get it in your hands, there is that there's that amazing smell of the ink and the paper. And I think when you choose to read print, you're making a commitment to yourself to like I'm giving myself this time now. This is like a reward. And you're separating, and the idea is, you know, you put your phone away, and you, you just, you just go into this world, and you immerse yourself. And the thing is, is obviously, like, because I don't want to dis- disparage it, because we do a lot of online articles on the website as well, and they still give me a great passion. But I find if you're reading something on your phone personally, it's, I find it very, very easy for all these little things to pop up and distract me. You know, like somebody will send me a WhatsApp message and. Before you know it, I'm like zoning out, and it's hard to hard to read online. So, but I, I guess it is that print thing for me because of like Evo magazine. I just used to love reading the Car of the Year tests. I used to love sitting there and opening a beer or a glass of red wine or whatever, and just like losing myself and reading the magazine from cover to cover. Um, but I do think. There is a revival coming in print and it is in these upmarket ones rather than what you can buy on the shelf. It's these more like premium products and it's, I liken it to really like a, a vinyl record because you, you hear like vinyl record sales are spiking, you know, and I like to think these new titles, these quarterlies, like you've got Verka magazine, you've got Magneto um you've got the road rat obviously which is which is just stunning and i really like verka as well um they're all inspirations to me and i think they're like the vinyl records and they're, they're like collectible you know the there's something that you want to keep and you don't just read it and then throw it away you you store it or some people you know display it on the coffee table and so i think I think that's that's what I love about print because you're making that commitment to it and you're holding something physical and and I think because you've paid for it, I think you give it more attention as well, you know. Uh, so I guess that's why I, I believe in print. But there's also another motivation as well, which is basically because of my age. So I'm forty years old. So I'm looking at this like I can't be someone that's just coming out of uni with like 20 years ahead of me to build up a career you know uh starting the starting the lower things and chew through the levels learn my craft so i'm looking at this and going like if i'm on linkedin like trying to stand out what what can i do to get noticed and they'll you know I, i've just like gone i've got to do something that nobody else is doing i've got to take this to the next level you know if i want to money from it i've essentially if you know if the magazine doesn't work out i've potentially got something here that's like a, a physical cv i can go you know I've, I've created this you know from from scratch so so yeah because 
Every, I've had to learn the entire industry. <laughs> Some of it not very well, other other bits better. But it's been an amazing ride and a massive challenge. But I've loved every second of it. Well, clearly, it's something that's you know not keeping you up at night, but keeping you up at night. Like you said, you you're working all day and then you're coming home, and you're staying up until like ten, eleven o'clock at night. And this is your this is your baby. This is your thing. Like I was speaking, we were speaking off camera, I think beforehand, and you mentioned that there was like an, there was an issue too coming out. And yeah, that's like yeah. you're you're prepping for as well. I mean, in yeah. terms of like the future for you, Craig, is that is that it? You know, if you could have anything, would that be sort of, you know, going around, printing magazines, doing car tests, and, and that yeah. would that be what Craig wants to do? Well, like I say, if I won the mil- Euro Millions, I'd just like fully go crazy and professionalise Rush. You know, I'd have I'd have this sort of. Uh, caffeine and machine style office you know like there'd be a like a lower level where it'd be a cafe and there'd be a you know like a meeting point and i don't know upstairs there'd be a downstairs studio to shoot cars in and then upstairs would be like a the office like a big open plan office and you know like it'd be dog friendly and uh, there'd be a huge there'd be a library there for all my car magazines my books and things like i just i just create this cool environment to create the magazine from and then I'll, I'd, I'd create this environment as well where there'd be just an amazing life around cars because I think that would feed back into the publication. So essentially, if, if I did win the Euro Millions, that's what I'd be doing. It's either that or I'd try and figure some way to purchase the rights to uh, to Top Gear, as in the actual TV show, and, and uh, take that on myself and produce that. <laughs> that, that would be a... a yeah, I, I, I guess I believe that... You've got to have these big dreams, and I, I think, by and large, people generally become what they think of themselves. And I think if you just dream small and stuff like that, then you're not going to achieve it. Whereas I think the people that have these amazing imaginations and ridiculous dreams. Some people might laugh at us, but I think you're not restricting your brain to go like I've achieved this now, and then that's it. It's like game over. You know, there's always that next thing you want to achieve. So. My my immediate goal is is Rush Issue Two, which is currently in production, and it's probably going to be coming out like April, maybe May, but hopefully April. And I'm going to introduce a subscription package, and so I'll do four issues as a quarterly. And then my next goal after that is to go by monthly, so six issues a year. Um, so I've got these little stages that I, I want to do, and then eventually it would be. Because obviously Rush's run from home and the great thing is everybody can work remotely and we can communicate remotely just like me and you are now. I, I still don't think you can beat that team enthusiasm and getting together and, and building something. So, so yeah, I've got these mad little dreams rattling around in my head. Uh, I guess Bista would be another good place because there's a track there, isn't there? You know, just... Oh, I've got a, we've got the uh, I don't know we've got the new brand new GI Yaris on test this week. I'll just nip out for a few laps or something like that. You know that'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Having an office there. So uh, I, I guess maybe it is a pipe dream, but it's nice to have that dream and that it, it provides you with the motivation. No, hundred percent. I think those dreams are what we all need. Like you say, I think there's a there's a I'm not like I really understand the word as a person, but a lot of manifesting going on in your life, Craig. You know, yeah, huge man- manifesting of making it, you know, but also you're not just, you know, thinking of the, you know, the big magazine print empire, you're actually working towards the big magazine print empire. And I think the more you talk about it, the more people you meet, the more people you meet, you in effect with that, you know, your vision of what it can look like rush could be the next top gear. 
you can have your own track you can you know, do all that stuff and there's no reason why you can't there's no reason why that shouldn't be you in 10 years 50 year old craig might have the next you know next evo who, who knows and it's the same for me like when i'm I'm thinking of this. Like, I want this to be the best podcast, the best automotive podcast that people listen to. I want to have the stuff I do outside of this be, you know, worldwide. And so, it's, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with having a dream. Yeah, yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head with that word manifestation. I think it's, I think it's important, and I think it percolates through everything that I do. So, like, there's a occasionally I do a bit of meditating where I think about how the future could look, or and it's sort of just a bit of quiet. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, like full on meditating. It's like my own version of meditation where I just sit there and think about, you know, how do I get from this step to the next step? Um, but there's, there's weird things like, I believe that like the universe listens to your energy and responds to you. So, um, some, like again, some people might think this is a bit deaf, but it's just me. And I like, I, when it comes to the magazine, there's like certain things that I need to buy for the magazine, like the packaging, for example. I've always wanted to put it in a book wrap, and so I've made the decision now to spend the extra money for a book wrap because book wraps are expensive. They're like the cardboard thing that goes around and fully protects it and seals it. They cost like a pound each, you know, so that's that's a huge margin for a, for a startup thing. But I was just like, I want this, and I, I want to be of that standard. So this week I've, I've started doing them, and instead of just buying, you know, like a, a packet of, 50 or whatever to trial it with i'm i'm buying 250 at a time because i want to send the message to the universe to say like you know i'm going to sell 250 it's not like i'm selling 50 and i'm you know i'm trying to send these messages out there to uh, that that and hopefully the universe will ris- listen and respond positively yeah yeah there's a lot to say about you you buying 250 covers and then realizing you've got to sell 250 magazines and then the uh, the implications that come with that afterwards, your brain kind of, I guess, will then try and solve that problem. Like the problem of having 250 book covers means I need 250 magazines, which means I need to sell 250 magazines. Yeah. And how am I going to sell those? Yeah, well, it's, lot, yeah. It just absolutely motivates you. So it, it comes back to that circle. It's like, I've made this promise and commitment now, so how do I fulfill it? I've got to, I've got to do it. it. It gives you that sense of jeopardy. Like I've, I've spent all the, have you spent 250 pound on, on wrapping so now i've got a, i'm motivated now to to get the magazine sold and and things like that so it's i think you need a bit of jeopardy to and you know i've had a honest chat with my wife you know how much is it going to cost how long will it take you know we've had a, we've had all these things and i'm looking at it, she believes in me but there, there is that jeopardy that you know you've got to think about the mortgage and, and things like that and starting a family so there's those little things in the background. So it, it's like she believes in me, I believe in myself. So it's like we're, we're willing to take that gamble and that risk. So so here we are. <laughs> no, that's great. And then, Craig, I know this will come to, towards the end, but um, there are sort of like five questions I ask everyone. Yeah. And the first, of those, the first of those being, what is your ultimate three car garage? Right. I've actually put I've actually put serious thought into this because uh, I know um, a lot of us car guys it, it changes every day, doesn't it? This answer. So every time we we when we first had a chat about this, I've, it's been in the back of my mind percolating. So I'd like to request your permission to slightly cheat. I'd like to give you two answers. I'd like to give you the best three cars that I've driven, and then you know the best free unlimited money if that's permissible. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. So, right. So the best three cars that I've driven, um, 
I like to classify him. Uh, I'm going for one weekend toy, a daily driver, and like a track day car. So I always got to start with a weekend toy. So for me, best car I've ever driven in terms of a weekend toy, it was the M3 CSL, but it is now the Ferrari 430 Scuderia. Um, it sounds like a shameless pub because it's what's on the cover of the first issue of Rush, but no, <laughs> that that car, honestly, it's not. It's not. It's uh, that car just absolutely like it was a transcendental experience being behind the wheel of that. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was. Um, expletive myself before um, getting into that car thinking you know this car's worth a quarter of a million pounds there's a little bit of a little bit of an imposter syndrome going on and I'm, I'm scared you know am I going to be able to get the best out of it am I going to be too reverential but within 60 seconds of being behind the wheel that thing it just put me at ease and I just had this amazing experience of like because I always thought I was a Porsche guy but this the, the scuderia just took me it was intoxicating it was visceral the noise it made the vibrations the feeling the energy i got from the car it was it was just absolutely amazing so that's become my my uh, top weekend toy um a daily driver i should say the e39 m5 because it, it's probably like the best super saloon of all time but i'm gonna throw a curveball and say the B7 Audi RS4 event. Um, okay. So yeah, this yeah. is in terms of cars that I've driven still. Um, because you've got the space, you've got four-wheel drive security, which, you know, so you can drive it, enjoy it, any weather, which is important in the UK, isn't it? It's got an amazing manual gearbox. The steering's great. The damping's amazing. And again, you've got another world-class V8 engine, naturally aspirated, revs to well over 8,000 RPM. So how, how can you not enjoy that driving that every day? Um, and in terms of a track day car, I'm going to say slightly more humble. I'm going to say Renault Clio 200. Um, just because I don't think I've ever driven a driver's car that's so complete out of the box and I felt at one with immediately driving it. And the, the way it rotates into a corner is amazing. And it's one of the very few cars that I've driven where I go, there's not something I want to change on this. There's not something I want to upgrade or get more from. So that that's that's why I'm going to go for the Clio 200. Plus, it's cheap to run as well. And, and if you, <laughs> yeah. Well, on track at least anyway. Because <laughs> when you start driving them uh, V8s on track, you'll go through a lot of fuel, won't you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe uh, yeah, so, no time so, to... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, to, to speed it along, um, the unlimited one would be weirdly going back to the scooter here again. Um, I should say a rest, I should say McLaren F1, I should say um, some sort of singer or something like that, but I'm going to go for a slightly different resto mod. Do you remember when someone came out with a Lancia Stratos, um, like a remake yes. of the Stratos, and it was weirdly based on the 430 scooter here? And it was like a short on platform of the Scud, rebodied in carbon fibre. Uh, it was like another 100 kilos lighter. So it it just combines two things I love, which is like homologation specials, restful ones, so tribute to that. So that would be that unlimited weekend car. Uh, trap day car, I would go for an XDTM Racing E30 M3. Just because I just love the look of the E30 M3. It looks ridiculous. And yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think it'd be something different. I know a lot of people would say like a catering Maranatan, but I just love the idea of the thirty M freezer. Grew up a grew up adoring them. Um, daily, I suppose I should say Range Rover, but not really an SUV person. V uh, twelve Vantage, or maybe a Bentley Continental yeah. GT. Yeah, my luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've cheated there. I've gone for seven cars there, I think, can't I, mate? So uh... you're, the, you're the first person. I, I had um, I had Amy Shaw on the podcast, and she suggested I do ten car garages for people. So you've oh, almost I... made it there. Well, the, the podcast would be about eight hours long, then, mate. If we went down that road, I made that. Po- <laughs> I made the very point to her about it. If I ask yeah, people yeah. ten cars, I will be here for an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so describe each car. Yeah, I remember that. She went. She went for uh, an E-type Jag, didn't she? Uh, I think it was or something like that. So that's yeah. not a bad choice, is it? <laughs> um, no, I think she had, she had a great three car guy. She had an E-type or um, MGB GT. A yeah. Range Rover and oh, uh, yeah, well, Land Rover because she had one of those. And she had the Mini yeah. as well, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, back to you, Craig. Okay. The um, one car to drive on any road or track. Where would you go? Where? What would you take? Um, again, it's easy to pursue that dream. I've got that McLaren F1 and oh, Ferrari F40, but I want something that I will be comfortable driving and going crazy and um, also a car that I really admire. So I would go for a Honda NSX Type R, uh, the second generation one. Um, I think it makes a great noise, fantastic handling. It's got the ethos of cars I love, which is sports cars that have been really sharpened and focused. So like the Scuderia is a Fiat 911 GT3, E46 CSL mm. again. And I would take it to the Great Ocean Road in Australia, providing the road was obviously shut and I knew nothing was coming because you've just got the Southern Australian Ocean to your left-hand side. And it's just this amazing twisty road. Unfortunately, there's a lot of speed limits there, but it's got a bit of everything. There's some ridiculous scenery, uh, ocean on one side, rainforest on the other, mountains, everything, mm. and, it, and it's a good length of road. So, yeah, that's where I would go. Yeah, I think you're the first person to bring that road up. I've had a few Stelvio passes, a few Transagarian highways, match, you know. Yeah. That's a road that I used to drive a lot on Forza Horizon 5. Mm. Funnily enough, it's, a, it's, like, it's that road that, you know, I think it's perfectly in the game. And I, I, I would go up and down that for days and days in my Xbox just exploring it. Yeah, it's an amazing road. Yeah, the, the Stelvio is a famous one, but I think there's too many hairpins on that for me. I think I'd go a bit dizzy. <laughs> I think I yeah I'd do that in a mini. I think it would be perfect, like a classic yeah. mini, and you'd have the most fun. Yeah, silly hot hatch, bit bit too much power than it needs. Good diff on it. That's a car for that road, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, um, and Craig, we spoke about your purpose earlier, and then you know yeah. in finding it in this magazine. But for you, what do you believe is your purpose within the career you're building? Um, I think um, it really does sound like a cliche. Um, but it's find your passion and listen to your heart and just trust your instinct and your intuition. Really just just, just don't let that block or that fear get in your way like we talked about earlier, like, oh, we've got this huge passion, but we didn't do anything about it because we were we had the fear of this or the fear of that. And just just trust that instinct and just do it, you know, get it, get out there, get stuck in. So. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a great question. Like, why the, again? Why this podcast exists was to show people what's possible, 
because like i guess it comes to that it came up with that theory i said earlier about you know not being able to pursue it and i think we've we both you, know, you can tell when someone's like a kindred spirit in that way you know there's two yeah. people that have struggled with a passion about actually you know we're doing our own thing and i think it's pretty pretty cool what is the advice you'd give to an 18 year old craig like what would you say to him knowing what you know now um so obviously it's uh just going back to that trust me instinct thing, because there's some decisions I made where my instinct and my gut was screaming at me and I didn't listen to it and I really did. But in terms of if it was like career advice, especially like trying to get into military journalism or something like that, and I guess I'm coming at it from a new angle, so I'm not an expert, but if I did have my time again and I had the, the balls to pursue it, I would be like, read more, you know, read more than I write even, because... I get inspiration from other people's writing. Um, I would also say, don't wait for the work to come to you. So I would actually say, challenge yourself to say, for example, write a weekly column, even if you don't have the employment, just get used to working to deadlines and you don't have to publish it. Just, just write for yourself, write whatever topic you want, but just sort of get used to working under a little bit of pressure and, and turning things over. And the last thing I think is important is not talked enough about in, like, especially motoring journalism. Like, you look at the Evo boys and you listen to some of their podcasts, like the Collecting Cars podcast, and they all talked about how they went through this driving apprenticeship, how they learned to drive properly. You know, they learned car control. So I also think if, if you really are serious about becoming, like, a car journalist, then you also not only have to invest in your writing you have to invest in yourself as a driver so i've been doing driver training courses with you know um, police police officers uh, police pursuit officers i've been doing car control days strap days and obviously getting tuition every day so i think because that will reflect in your driving as well and i think it gives it an gives you driving an authority if people know that you know what you're talking about. So I think that's that's probably the maybe the biggest one I'll, I'll read more, definitely. Great. And uh, Craig, the last question, why do you love cars? Oh, it's, um, it's just the thrill, the freedom of the open road, the connection you get. There's, I, I can't explain it, but there's just something happy. Like if I'm getting up early in the morning and I'm going on a road trip, there's just this wonderful feeling to the world. Like, you know, the roads are so quiet and I'm going out there and I've got a purpose in what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going out there to shoot for the magazine or to drive a car for the magazine. Or I'm just going out there for myself. It's like me time. And uh, it just it's just like, you could call it thinking time. You could just call it a pure a pleasure time. Or then there's the adrenaline of driving itself. And there'll always be, for me, there'll always be like a little treat at the end of it. So I've got like a favourite pizza place or I'll go to to a pub or something you know there's just like it just becomes this little adventure there's this isolating bubble of freedom for me and that's that's what i love about cars you can go anywhere anywhere in the country you want i, I could go to the north wales one day i could go to the to the north pennines another day or scotland even and every, everything about it i just i just love driving i you know i really do i can't i can't say anything more than that I really love driving yeah no craig um it's, it's interesting that like, when we first you know when you reached out to be on the podcast it was a great it was a great thing to have you know to look into your story and to realize that there are other people that are starting things you know even if it is a bit later into their life you know there is that still that 
you know, the possibility that you could make something of, you know, that, that, you know, the joy you had, you know, creating that magazine, you, you've done it, you finally got there. It's a thing. I think it's a real story for people to listen to as well, to know that, you know, if they've got something they want to do, they should, should they should do it. Oh, it's, it's, it's been a fantastic adventure. Anybody's thinking about it, absolutely encouraging to do it. And the truth is maybe as little as even 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been possible for someone like me to create or even publish Rush because there's technology now that allows us to do it, um, like the digital cameras, for example, or the main thing is like Adobe InDesign, or, you know, that's, you know, I'm not a graphic designer. I've never been, like I said, I, I, know, I know nothing about publishing a magazine, but I've had a friend teach me the rope of graphic uh, of graphic design on Adobe InDesign. Uh, so that's what I produce a magazine on. And that the subscription to that's like £30 a month. Whereas years and years ago, you probably had to use a system called Quark and it would cost £10,000 just for the software. And you, you'd have to shoot on, you know, real film for the cameras and it would cost so much money and you wouldn't, wouldn't see the results until you developed. And whereas I, I can sort of uh, do the design myself and build a website on Wix, for example, you know, all, all this is so much cheaper than what it was 10 years ago, which has allowed, given me the platform and, the permission almost to, to make Russia think, you know, whereas it, before you would have needed telephone numbers budgets. So um, if I'm available, if anybody, you know, wants to get involved and, and uh, or just wants to have a chat with me about how I've done it and, how, how, you know, what, what it's cost, I'm absolutely, if I've got the time, I'm all ears. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, great. Well, but Craig, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Harry. I've really enjoyed it, mate. I have huge admiration for Craig. It seems like we're quite alike in being creative and wanting that creativity to be taken out on the cars we drive, modify and inevitably crash. His comeback story has truly inspired me and I hope has shown you what is possible with a passion for cars. I couldn't imagine starting a magazine from scratch. I couldn't imagine starting a podcast from scratch. But it can be done. And I want you to know Hey, real quick, if you could do me a massive favour and help share this podcast with a petrolhead in your life, it would mean so much to me. It helps grow the podcast, reach more people, and more people mean bigger guests. Thank you so much for listening.